What's up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan Podcast. So today we have Luke Peters on the mic. Luke is the host of the podcast Retail Band. He is also the founder and CEO of New Air Compact Appliances, a manufacturing and wholesaling company that has scaled to multiple eight figures and is well on its way to nine figures this coming year. Luke is here with us today to share how to get your product into the big box retailers like Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, or what have you. So Luke, we're so excited to have you here and let's hop right in. All right, Luke, so tell us one thing about yourself that most people don't know. Yeah, so, and 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 I talk to so many people, so scratching my mind, I would say that um, what, you know, as a entrepreneur, you kind of try to protect this, but I would say what most people don't know is that maybe I, you know, worry and think about things too much more than I need to. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not something I talk with a lot of people about, but um, definitely, you know, when you have a business and a lot of balls in the air that that can sometimes consume you and it has for me. Yeah. I, I know that's a huge struggle for a lot of people and overcoming that uh, stress and the anxiety that comes from, from business. Yep. So we actually just uh, recently interviewed a guy talking about that, you know, how to, to deal with that anxiety because entrepreneurship is very anxiety inducing, but it also is very rewarding when you're, you know, you're able to make it succeed. So I love that. Well, Luke, let's, uh, let's get a little bit of background on you. Can you give us kind of your, your 30,000 foot view of your life? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Um, wow. 30,000 foot view. So right now, um, you know, uh, own new air appliances and my wife and myself, hundred percent, um, owners of the company is now 17, oh, 18 years old, I guess now coming up on that. And uh, it's a, just a great brand of appliances. So we sell a lot of fun um, beer coolers and wine coolers, ice makers, um, cooling and heating products and other products for the kitchen. Um, so just think compact appliances um, with some fun innovations and some uh, creative marketing. And we just have an amazing team over here. So that's what we're doing now. And started uh, the business ourselves from scratch and now you know about 50 employees and 150,000 square feet um, here in Southern California and just uh, living the dream I guess right along with the, <laughs> along with the worries and anxieties of uh, dealing with tariffs and all of those types of things but yeah that's what I'm doing now I'm married kids and um, um, do, you know started another business as well doing some podcasting and uh, you know coaching the kids sports teams so just all those types of things. <laughs> that is the American dream right there. You got it. <laughs> Especially living in California. I think everybody's, uh, everybody outside of the U S just thinks the U S is California. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're, you got the, and it's crazy because today it's literally 85 degrees out, you know, we're in middle of November. So wow. Yeah. Yeah. We could use some of that out here. It's, it's 50 degrees out here today. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> and cloudy. <laughs> I won't trade. Yeah. I love it. Well, so, uh, I did want to bring you on today though, because of your take on, on really getting a product business out there. A lot of the entrepreneurs that uh, listen to our podcast are doing more, you know, information product or, or direct to customer selling. And you've actually got an interesting take because you've done both sides, you know, you've done direct to consumer, but you've also, uh, worked with a lot of these big box retailers. So let's, I'd like to learn a little bit, a little bit about, uh, your, you know, how you started doing direct to uh, consumer selling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, so, so I graduated college and became a hazardous waste scientist. I, um, we were doing good stuff, you know, saving the world, saving the groundwater, which specifically what I was working on, mm -hmm. um, Aaron Brockovich type case is what I was doing, but you know, there's not a, you're not getting any movement. I mean, I probably would still be there today and that project wouldn't have moved. 
and I, and I have friends, so I kind of, I know it's kind of, uh, you know, how, how things are going and it's good. It's all stuff that has to happen, but it just wasn't for me. And then along the way, I saw my, my little brother doing so well selling computer electronics. So that just kind of sparked my interest and, you know, lots of stuff in between, but between that and, um, basically just burned the midnight oils, um, created at the time what was called the Yahoo store and started selling products out of Granger catalogs. Essentially, that's how, hmm. how we got started. So, um, but, you know, yeah, like you said, even if it's an information product or anybody else, the thing is, it's all, it's still the same. Um, you're still having the same goal, which is converting people, like getting people into the funnel, understanding how to get them in the funnel, you know, now is different right. than it was back then. And, uh, and that, and that's how we did it. That's interesting. Now, did you invent these products yourself or were they, I mean, are you a wholesaler? Yeah. When we started just a wholesaler. So when we started, it was, so now we have our own brand, you know, and we're working directly with factories and creating designs and have some IP and, and all of that stuff. But when we started, it was just reselling other people's products. Wow. And so you were able to take those and, and start selling them direct to consumer through your own store. That's really interesting. I, not many people were able to do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and back then, you know, this is like 2002. It, it, it you know, admittedly was a little easier because it was less of that online, but it was a lot, there wasn't a Shopify back then. It was, it was a lot harder to kind of get going as well. Right. You, know, you had to kind of learn HTML yourself and just basic things like that. You had to do yourself. Now, did you learn that yourself or did you guys outsource a lot of that? No, at the beginning, I just did everything. You wow. Know, you, you would use, yeah, because I mean, you know, basic things like creating a website, you just did it, in the, you know, you just did it yourself and you figured out, you know, the basic HTML tags and you know, <laughs> how to edit images. And I think we were using back then, it was Microsoft front page, you know, that wow. was, uh, along with Dreamweaver, those, those were kind of like the WYSIWYGs, but you still have to do some <laughs> editing on them. So yeah, it was a different world back then compared to now. Say now it's like five clicks and you've got a website live. You're ready to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's totally. And then back then you could kind of, you know, everybody went to Google now, you know, 50% of the people go to Amazon right. product purchase. So it, it was just different. Yeah. Which is so interesting that we've seen that huge transition over into that. So I do have to ask you though. I mean, you've got a lot of, you said you have over uh, 150 SKUs and you're selling those um, in these big box retailers, right? Yeah, mostly online to the big box retailers. So through their online uh, platforms. Interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, a lot of our listeners do want to know about that. So, I mean, how did you get your products into those big box retailers? Uh, well, yeah, so we mostly, okay, so how I did it was actually around 2012, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that if you're selling a product, it's going to get a heck of a lot harder to win in SEO because all of the big box retailers started competing for that SEO landscape right? and uh, or, or real estate. And at, at the time we were really good at SEO and Amazon was kind of the only player that now all of a sudden everybody else is, you know, competing for those spots. So what I did is I created another company called Luma Comfort. And the idea of that company was to sell to the big box guys and try this wholesale business. And, and I was thinking the margins would be worse and, you know, but that's actually not the case if you structure it properly, because you got to remember that, you know, Home Depot and Wayfair and uh, Walmart.com and Target.com, like they're all acquiring those customers for you. Right. And, and, and you're not having to pay those acquisition costs. You're not having to um, service the customers on the same level. You're not having, a, there's a lot of expenses you don't have. And then you have some additional ones because it's a totally different type of business. And um, when we went out and pitched them, you know, the brand was already established because we had been selling so that the new air brand was established because we had been selling for, 
you know, a number of years prior to that. And it was not that difficult to get in there. So I would say for any of your listeners, if they've already got traction online, they, they should be able to get into these retailers, but you know, you just have to find the buyer and then, um, you know, some, some accounts will take more work than others. Some of them, you don't have to actually even talk to the buyer. You can set up behind the scenes. Others, you kind of have to get some approvals in place to kind of get your products listed. The majority of them, you kind of have to do it that way besides, you know, Amazon and walmart.com. And, um, and then, uh, you know, you're ready to go. So it's, so you just got to find the right people and, and move the contracts along and, and get the contract signed and, you know, make sure you, the terms are good and, and then you're ready to sell on those platforms. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes they'll try and make you their proprietary brand, but that kind of locks you into a contract, doesn't it? Where they can be your only seller. Yeah, but not most of them don't do that. There, there's some of them, some of the, but see that, that if they make you their brand, usually what they're doing is they're white labeling a brand that they already have. So it's not that it's not such a bad thing. So they're, some, some companies like say a Wayfair, they've got, you know, a lot of their own brands, but you still, you know, they, they might uh, lump you into one of their brands and that can be a great thing, a great way to partner with them. Right. Cause then, I mean, they're already getting that huge amount of volume and you're, you know, you're not really stuck with them, but they're going to be producing a really scalable business for you. Yeah, exactly. And you can still go work on your brand. So they're, they're doing you a favor. Let's put it that way. Um, they're, they're finding all the customers for you. <laughs> which I love that. And I, a lot of people are really struggling with that saying, Oh, should I just, you know, go on to Amazon? But you and I were talking about that before the interview, you know, I mean, is Amazon really the place you want to go when you have a product? Well, you kind of have to, that's, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> you kind of have to, I mean, depending on how, what type of a brand you have, I know a lot of higher end brands or bigger brands or, you know, you know, just like the big news, you know, a week ago was, um, Nike pulling out of Amazon. So there's definitely uh, a conversation around that, but there's so many variables to, it, it, it's too big of a conversation, but like if your product is small and margins are good enough, then you, you can be on Amazon, but you can control your fate with the seller central account. So most people are already doing that. Most people, when they have a product, the first thing they do is go on Amazon. Now it's app, the first thing. I mean, they're, they're not even, you know, even trying to sell some people are not even trying to sell on their own website. That, that's how big the shift has been. And, right. and then uh, the question is, you know, can they even, is it even worth building out your, and marketing your own product on your own website when it's, when Amazon's got all the eyeballs. So it's just, it's going to depend on the product category. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're producing, you know, millions of views every like hour, basically. <laughs> I mean, they're monster. So, you know, what are some of the, the pitfalls of going into places like Amazon? Um, them taking all your margin. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, look, there's, it just depends on the product. A lot of people get a lot of copycats. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the thing is Amazon has made it where you kind of have to go there. So I would say everybody still should go there. Um, you want to get your brand registry and you want to own your uh, trademarks on Amazon. That's the thing. So when people don't do that, when they let other people sell on Amazon, then they're, they're potentially damaging their brand and not having full control over it. Yeah. So you, you want to do that. It's just, it's just how much do you want to compete on price on Amazon and versus your other channels. So those are channel decisions that people have to think about. Yeah. Really knowing kind of what, who your customer is and where they're at. Yep. 
That's really interesting. Well, so when you've gone into these big box retailers, because you know we're kind of branching away from Amazon, you're saying you know, a lot of these people are, are great places to, to sell your product long run, but you've also talked about building your own brand. So what, what's the benefit of building your own brand if you're already you know, putting all your products in other people's companies? And that's a great question, Josh. So that's actually what everybody should think about is, so if you're on, let's say you're on five different platforms all, and you're doing good, all of those platforms or other retailers, they're probably going to be bidding on your terms and your brand. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you go do a Google search for one of your products or your brand. It's now showing up all over Google with multiple companies competing, not, not yourself. Right. So they're doing a lot of the branding for you is I guess the first point. You know, you want to show up there because you're going to get in front of the most people versus if you do it all yourself, now you've got to go, you know, do it all yourself, which, um, you know, if you have a lot of clients that are, you know, even, even in the info world, if that's some of your, your um, listeners, you know, they still go on platforms often to distribute, you know, an info product or even to create and market an info product. So there's, there's benefits to the scale of it. And, um, and even on the branding, because you know, then home, then, then now your product has legitimacy because it's seen on homedepot.com and so on and so forth and in reviews, you know, across uh, the internet. Yeah. Well, and that just gives you that legitimacy like you're talking about the brand legitimacy. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the practices you guys do to, to build out your own personal brand? Yeah. I mean, so many of them. So the first thing starts with um, having amazing content. Um, so controlling that. And then with that, we redid our website for newer.com and our goal was, um, best in class, so best in our industry, uh, visuals, and just website experience for, for the consumer. And, you know, every couple of years, it changes so fast, we'll probably have to keep going. But we've done, right. you can just check it out at New Era. But we, I, we're, we're proud of what we've done there at the product level, because when you sell to these other retailers, you do have some control, but you don't have total control. And you can't put everything up there to really, um, you know, express everything about your product that you want to to the consumer. So that, that's, that's how we focus on building a brand. And, you know, we've done okay on things like um, Pinterest and Instagram as well. And then of course, you know, delivering on the brand promise and trying to come out with innovative and, and fun products that the customers want. Yeah. Well, and so you've been able to hire other people to do those, those, uh, you know, the sections for you being able to grow your social media and do your marketing and everything, or do you do it yourself still? No. Yeah. No way. I, you, get, you find <laughs> out real quick as you grow that, you know, having, you got to have people better than you at all of those areas. And um, there'd just be no way I could do it myself. So yeah, we have a great team, you know, uh, over 50 people here and a uh, really good marketing team and a creative team. So um, they do a great job at all those things. That's awesome. So I'd, I'd be surprised if you did. I was just curious if you did so because yeah. you have the you have the talent already in it. But well, in day one, how about that? And yeah, trust me, like <laughs> what I was making then was um, wasn't you know what we're doing now. So it's definitely the level has gone up. But from day one, <laughs> you know, back in the old school days when it was everything was blocky web ugly websites that that, that that's what i was doing so. <laughs> the the basic text right the white yeah. white text black or white background black text it's like yeah 1990 web style websites <laughs> and what's funny is some people still have those websites it's kind of funny to run across yeah. those you're like you should probably update that yeah totally. uh, that's funny time. stuff well so for you guys um you know, what, what have you done for yourselves to build out a quality team? Cause like you said, you get to find people who are better than you at, at their area. So what do you personally prescribe to when it comes to, to hiring people? Well, 
Well, we try to follow. I mean, there, there's things you learn over time. Um, I mean, the first thing is you want to, if possible, you got to hire the best person you could pay for that you can right. afford, um, which is really hard with small teams. But I think when teams get bigger, they kind of stay in the rut of not doing that. And mm-hmm. when they're actually able to, you know, hire in the best folks. So people, I think what I've seen is they take too long to kind of make that jump. I mean, we did. And uh, so that's the first thing is, is hire the best. And then the next thing is that, you know, during the hiring process, by the way, one of the things that we've had a lot of success with is um, giving people a test, like a, a, a cool one, like one where they, you know, a good applicant would want that challenge. But, you know, instead of just interviewing, you put, you pose a problem and then they have to kind of come back with the solution and present the solution, present the, uh, you know, the solution to the question. And that has yielded great results because if you do that and it's like an A-B test on your website, if, but an A-B test with applicants and you see how people present, you can find somebody that's going to work for you and for your team. And, um, and it's good for, for them too, you know, cause they get a chance to kind of see, you know, what types of problems you might have at work. And, and uh, that's gone a long way into um, building out a great team. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that because some people, I, I feel like we're, we're looking for a list of qualifications and, and you can pretty much make yourself look on paper like you can, <laughs> you know, you can fill the, fit the bill for any of those things. But if you want to find the best person, like you're saying, you give them, you give them a real world problem, right? Hey, solve this. Hey, this, this is the exact thing you're going to be dealing with every day in our company. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes a big difference. So it's, it's been a big help. Well, so running a company as large as yours, you know, you said you're up to like 50 employees. It starts to become, um, you know, a, a juggle of like managing people, but also growing the business. So for you, have you been able to, to do that all virtual or do you have like an in-house team that you, you do all your people in-house? Yeah, we're in-house. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's just how it started. We're in-house, but you know, we're acting more like a big company. So <laughs> up a little bit, meaning, meaning just like the way that, you know, you hire people to do a job and they figure their own way out how to, how to do the job. I mean, that's right. always the goal. That, that's always your dream, right? Is to find is, is hopefully for the company to run that way. Um, but yeah, pretty much everybody's here. We actually have a call center in the Belize. So that's, that's, that's been pretty cool is to have yeah. that team remote. And then we have some other marketing folks that are remote. So we have a couple, I guess, that are remote. Um, I got a virtual assistant, but for the most part, um, the team's here. Which is awesome because then you can see, look in their eyes while you're working with them, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're building culture, you know, and, and so we just won a, a, a best place to work at um, award. Can't name the, who it's from because it doesn't, they kind of want to wait until it's announced, but like those are the things that we're striving for. So we're building like a really strong and fun culture and, and people feel appreciated. And then, you know, when you have that team, there's hopefully some extra value um, over, say, if it was just 100% virtual. Absolutely. One, what I really appreciate what you're talking about, you know, is, is that culture that you build when you when you are there. Because I really like having you know virtual assistants and paying people um, virtually, but the it makes sense financially, but sometimes it doesn't make sense culturally. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people right now are sacrificing because they're worried about the cost of it. So I really appreciate that people like you, you're like, Hey, let's, let's build an in-house team. There will be space for people in the, in the virtual space, but you also have a, a good core team that you work with. You're not, yeah. you're not being their solopreneur. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, after, I, I find it really difficult for someone to be by themselves and build a substantial team, but people have done it, you know, maybe people smarter than me, but they've done it. So I know it's possible, but I'm just saying that 
it depends on the kind of company, like my kind of company where it's like a distribution wholesale brand, it's hard to do. Um, but you know what? I mean, I interviewed on one of my podcasts, I interviewed our um, patent attorney and she has grown her team. They're, every one of them is virtual attorneys. Wow. They, 50 different attorneys all over the country. Um, that is in, crazy. It's, and it's one of the biggest um, female-owned uh, you know, firms in the country that she's built and they're 100% virtual. So it can be done for sure, but I think it's going to depend on the on the type of business. Yeah, for sure. When I think, you know, there's some people who've been able to, to resolve that. I'd be really curious to see how she was able to do that because I, I know it's hard to grow culture when you're not with people. But if yeah, she's well, figured yeah, it out. She, yeah, they, they, they do some fun events and they get together, you know, I forget how often it was, but, but yeah, you're, but then again, sometimes it could be some of those, sometimes some companies can be siloed. Like that's the nature of the business if they're a service business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like each person's kind of has their own clients and, and it's okay to have some silos in a way. So yeah. versus a, a company that's has like a big operations team that has to make sure everything functions and like over here. So it's, it's tough if there's silos, you don't want that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I mean, honestly, it's really, really cool to see larger companies like yours who are able to build out these amazing teams and, and market in a way that a lot of us, you know, would like to, to be able to do with our businesses. So, so thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. But let, let's change uh, gears here a little bit. So you've just, like you mentioned before, you just started a podcast recently and um, what, what's that podcast about and kind of where, what's the direction you're heading with it? Yeah. Thanks for asking, Josh. So it's a, a page one podcast with the number one. And, and what we're doing is, um, well, what I'm doing is I started another company where I'm helping people who have products and they, are, they don't really know how to sell successfully into Home Depot, Wayfair, or they don't really understand um, influencer marketing, which we're pretty good at, or how to launch products, or they want an audit of their Amazon practices, or they want some consulting in that area. All of those areas we can turn a company if they're like on a trajectory where they're kind of in the red they're not doing things right and they want to get into the green where you know things are running as they should and they're getting the most value out of their products and their teams we can take them from the red to the green and so the podcast talks about and, and that company is called retail band and the podcast is where i interview entrepreneurs who are doing those things so they can um, but it's really focused uh, mainly you know on the consumer product space so it's like a tight niche of talking about talking to brand owners and, and how they're doing it and how they've been successful. And um, it's, it's like, it's a ton of fun. I'm sure, you know, it's like the same, I'm sure you enjoy, you know, meeting all these new people and that's unfortunate. I am fortunate enough to do that with the podcast as well. So it's just fun interviewing people and getting to know all these stories. And I'm, I'm like interviewing them and taking my own notes <laughs> put in practice in the new air. So it's, it's pretty cool. Well, I know, I know we're not on camera, but I've got a whole page of notes from you. So oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm that that's same awesome. way. <laughs> that's cool. There's a lot of value in, in building out those relationships that you get uh, through podcasting. So I love that. Yep. Well, that's really awesome. And honestly, I think that's a great direction to send our listeners because there's some people in here who are saying, okay, like I'm not an infopreneur. You know, I have a, a tangible product that I'd like to grow. So um, I'd like to send people over there. So it's a page one podcast, right? So um, yep. is that the website for it as well? Yeah. Well, so you'll find it on Apple podcast. Um, and the, the, the episodes are on a retail band website. So just retailband.com. And yeah, if anybody finds me on uh, LinkedIn or on retail band, you can email me from there. Um, be happy to do a free assessment of, uh, of your product sales and, and, and show you where, you know, some areas of opportunity for you. 
That's awesome. Well, I'll send our listeners over that direction. But, you know, Luke, before we sign off, what's one last parting piece of guidance that you have? Yeah, I would say create before you consume. I heard, I heard that from someone else, but I love that quote. And uh, what it means is, you know, I mean, I can, it, I'll tell you what, if I can just run on a tangent quickly, you know, I just started this Go for new company, Retail Band. And I'll tell you what, like, you know, I've been doing my other one for 17 years. And after a while, you know, you get, you build your infrastructure and you're still working really hard, but it's a different kind of hard. Then you start a business and you have to go from zero customers to one customer. It is so hard to start that thing, you know? And, yeah. and you're, you're like, I mean, you're drawing everything, all the templates from the beginning, you're creating a website, which is probably what a lot, a lot of your listeners are doing. And uh, just back to my advice, you know, create before you consume. What, what I meant by that is just that um, you just have to grind and, and you got to make sure you're moving forward every day because it's easy to just read all these things and think right. too much, but not actually, you know, do the things that are going to make a difference. So um, that's, that would be my advice. You know, you just got to grind and make sure you are literally moving your business forward instead of just learning new information. I love that. Create before you consume. That's honestly, I think that should be the way of life <laughs> for most people. Yeah, it's great. Well, awesome, Luke. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, you got it. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. The number one needle mover in my business is joint venture partnerships. Growing a following can be time consuming and frustrating. For that reason, we created the Tribe of Titans, the world's first joint venture matching platform. Using this free platform, you can find guests for a podcast, YouTube channel, or Facebook group, or you can promote your brand, product, or service in one simple place. You can create your free account at tribe.theluckytitan.com. Once again, that's tribe.theluckytitan.com.